Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Hi, I'm Scott Hahn, and I'd like to invite you personally to join me and Breadbox Media on August 24th in New Oxford, Pennsylvania. For a day of spiritual renewal, I'll be presenting three talks, one on St. Joseph, one on the Sacrament of Matrimony, and another one on the Holy Eucharist. Learn more and register at breadboxmedia.com forward slash PA conference. I hope to see you there. Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com, featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith, not just a profile picture. For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com, and the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website is ready to help single Catholics take the next step in sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics. Remember, CatholicSingles.com, for faith, fellowship, and love. O Lord, my God, Thou searchest me. My heart and mind are known to Thee. Nothing is hidden from Thy eyes. When I sit down and when I rise, and from afar Thou art discerning my thoughts and hopes, my secret in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed the fruit of thy Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners now at the hour of death. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, that instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant that by the same Spirit may be truly wise and ever joyous in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Lady Guadalupe. St. Joseph. Father Terry. All God's angels and saints. Listen to the word of God. taken from the letter of St. James, chapter 5. Is anyone among you suffering, he should pray. Is anyone in good spirits, he should sing praise. Is anyone among you sick, he should summon the presbyters of the church. And they should pray over him anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed any sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Fervent prayer of a righteous person is very powerful. Elijah was a human being like us, yet he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain upon the land. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. 
My brothers, if anyone among you should stray from the truth and someone bring him back, he should know that whoever brings back a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. The word of the Lord. passage I like very much and then we'll return to the diary and there's uh, many ideas but I'd like to just glean three. One is uh, this is where you have the, the anointing of the sick. This is a passage if you want to know where the anointing of the sick is. There's many passages but this is a key passage which St. James says if there's someone sick call the, uh, the word presbyters. No? Uh, presbyter means priest. Sometimes they actually have the, the translation called the elders, no? <laughs> Which means the, the older men, okay? So this is called. And uh, may they lay their hands upon this person that he'll be healed by the laying on the hands as well as the praying over them. So that's the one of the passages the church uses to substantiate the institution of the sacrament, the sick. Then the um, second point that I gleaned from this is um, the power of the prayer of a holy person. I can't help to read this in which it just, every time I read it, it gives me consolation, motivation. Um, I want my prayers, I want my prayers to be powerful. I don't know about you. I really do. Are they? I don't know. I hope so. I hope so. But I want my, when I celebrate Mass, I'll often say, Lord, I want this Mass to save a million souls. Is that okay? Yes. Why not? Uh, the, the Mass has infinite value. Why, why limit God's omnipotence with my lack of faith? No? But this passage, every time I read it it, 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 it kind of stirs me on to to go deeper in my prayer life. No? If someone prays, but he's got a mediocre prayer life, because something's going to happen. But if someone prays, he's got fervor and fire, Something's going to happen. So Elijah, by praying, uh, Elijah's prayer was was very powerful. His prayer was able to bring the rain down after a long drought, and it was able to to stop up the skies when he prayed again. When I think about reading a passage, is uh, the but the past hour, when I was in the confession, I said, what would be a good passage? This is the one that occurred to me. And um, my, my, my prayer is that my prayers will be instrumental in saving millions of souls. Is that good? Is that other things 
other things I feel are just insignificant. Vanity of vanity, all is vanity, no? Uh, but if my prayers can be instrumental in saving many souls, that's what I want. No? Um, I, I know, I know, I know, I know several millionaires. Several millionaires, I know. I know several millionaires, I do. Uh, and these individuals, they, they know how to make money. But I'm ambitious not for money, but for souls. Amen? Amen. What about you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, more than once, more than one person said, Father, if you were not a priest, you would probably be a millionaire. No? I, I probably would be, because of my work ethic. No? I probably would be. But uh, instead of, you know, making a million bucks, why not save a million souls? <laughs> Amen? Amen. So I think that it's a, it's a good idea to, to really beg for the grace to, um, to have a more fervent prayer life such that the effects of our prayer life will be such that they'll be, they'll be saving souls. Obviously, it's, it's, it's God that saves souls, but he utilizes human instruments among which is me, and among which is you. Now, forgive me, forgive me if I, forgive me if I'm, be, I'm presumptuous, but God, God used Faustina to save many souls, right? Okay, but what if you have a really, what if you have a really fervent priest that's praying? Could that go beyond Faustina? I mean, I can't hold a candle with respect to comparing me to her holiness. I mean, I'm, she's a spiritual giant. I'm a nieto de nanano, as they say in Spanish. Right? Uh, but if you put together fervor as a priest in the Mass and the Blessed Mother, I think you get power. What do you think? And how about if you unite yourself with the prayer of the priest and the mass and the Marian devotion? Power. So, um, I, I think we have to keep purifying and growing in our prayer life. Prayer life will, will really it usually grow through these channels. Number one is that you have to have the desire to pray, and I can't give that to you. You have to really beg for the desire to pray. Then you've got to give time. So you have to give time. No? If you don't give time, you're really not going to learn how to pray well. You have to give time then uh, it's inevitable that if you want to pray, you have to add to prayer some type of penance. Not that all of us have to be a Curie of ours or St. Peter Alcantara or St. Simon Stelites, and not all of us can all imitate the Curie of ours. You probably can't eat a potato a day. No? Potato a day keeps the devil away, okay? Three potatoes a day keeps all the devils away, okay? 
but we can all practice some type of penance. And then, um, as Colby says, um, in our in our life, uh, this is Colby, this is St. John of the Cross, sooner or later, the cross is going to visit us, and some type of suffering is going to be, um, we'll be visited with suffering. But you know, there's, I think there's two types of penance. Sometimes God is happy if we choose our own penance. He says, you've chosen it, okay, well, fine. But if we don't choose it, then God will give it to us, no? So if you choose, okay, I'm going to fast, or I'm going to do the way of the cross, or I'm going to put on a hair shirt. You might even say, well, my spouse is my hair shirt, okay? <laughs> you don't want to know what a hair shirt is, look it up, okay? It's a penitential thing that the saints used to wear in the past, no? Like a camel's, a camel's fur that you're placing next to your body will make you feel certain discomfiture. Then mm-hmm. I believe if you have Marian devotion, that gives more power. More than one of those who did the retreat with me said it was a very powerful retreat, especially because of the presence of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Okay? And uh, Mary... Mary gives, gives power. So, um, you might even just read through tonight, James chapter 5, it's the last five verses. Then, the last, the last point in James chapter 5 is this. He who brings back a wandering soul a lost sheep. Did you hear what I read? Yes. Saves his own soul. That's just bringing one back. Now we, when we go before the Lord on our day of judgment, we have to be, obviously we have to be very humble because our Lord's is our judge. But I think we say, Lord, you know I. In my life, I wasn't a Fulton Sheen. But you know, after I did the exercises, every, every month, as Father Groom suggested, I was, I was bringing someone back to church. So every month you're bringing someone back to church, so it's 12 a year, right? Every confession, no? all of you, every time we have a new session of the exercise, you're all bringing from one to 10 new people, right? So you, by doing that, that's St. James, so you could tell the Lord, well, Lord, you know, I am a sinner. However, you know, the Bible says you bring someone back, Lord, I've got several that are now down there. They're still practicing their faith, Lord. See the, I can see the Lord smiling at you. Thank you for reminding me. I already knew that, but thank you for reminding me. <laughs> then it says, it all, also... He, but the last verse in St. James, it says, whoever brings back a sinner from his error 
from the error of his way, will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Wow. You like that, Grace? I do. So that means your salvation by bringing someone to the church and less time in purgatory. Would you prefer 500 years or five days? Yeah. Some of you should read the book, some of the books by Shoup on hell and purgatory. Any of you read some of Shoup's books on hell and purgatory? <coughs> Eric? Yeah. And purgatory is pretty powerful. There's a priest that was suffering a lot and his guardian angel says, well, Father, God has sent me. You can either have um, one day in purgatory, rather um, a year of suffering or one day in purgatory. What would you take? One day in purgatory, right? Yes. He said, he said, well, I'll take one day in purgatory. So he got, he, he, he dies, he goes, he's casting these flames and he's suffering so much, the fire of purgatory, burning him away and he's kind of crying out and, and he thought that 20, one day, 24 hours, uh, he thought that a year passed, and two years passed, and five years passed, and ten years passed. Finally, his guardian angel says, comes to him and says, Hey, Father, how's it going? Come on down, Moses. How's it going? No? He said, Mal, really bad. Why? You said I was only going to be here for one day. Well, the guardian angel says, Well, how long do you think you've been here? I don't know. I left my watch upstairs, so I don't really know how long exactly. But I've been here for ages upon ages upon ages, some centuries. The guardian angel says, one hour has passed, you got 23 to go. Ah! <laughs> Midas muffler, pay an hour, pay later, right? So I think we should do all we can uh, while we have time to expiate our sins in this life so that we can go to heaven as soon as possible. Amen? Amen? Okay, so that's kind of a long-winded intro, but I think it's important. Okay? Let's, uh, we'll be finishing this book by the year 2055 when I am 99. <laughs> 2055 will be 99, remember that, okay? Okay, we can go to uh, 164. And I, if you remember the last two weeks, we didn't have it last week because I was in Boston. About two weeks ago, I, for two weeks, I actually explained to you religious life. Wasn't that it? Religious life and what a charism is. And so I gave you uh, an explanation on uh, the difference between a religious priest and a diocesan priest. Okay? So I think that's where we finished off a couple weeks ago. So if you have 164, I'd like to read that and make a comment upon it and see, see where we end up. When I learned I was to go for probation, 
It sounds like a penitentiary term, right? Probation, right? Now, Vera, you've heard that, that word before, haven't you? Okay, probation. Or technically, it means trial. That's what it means. So those who enter into religious life, when they're postulants, they're, they're in probation. They're under trial to see whether or not they have the, they have the vocation or not. Was it go for probation, my heart beat with joy at the thought of such an immense grace that it perpetual vows. What does that mean? Okay, we mentioned two weeks ago vows. Vows are solemn promises that the individual makes in the church before the superior, okay, and before God. And those who have vows, their actions, according to Aquinas, have more merit. Okay? So, uh, for example, I have a double vocation. I'm a priest, but also I'm a religious. Did you know that? So I have a double vocation. Now, most people don't understand what that means. I, I'm a priest. You probably know that by now, right? Okay. okay, so I'm a priest, but also I'm a religious. So I have a double blessing, but also a double responsibility. Pray for me. So if I really live up my priesthood and a religious life, there's very many graces that flow from that. Many graces. So if you go to St. Irenaeus, you have diocesan priests. They're not religious, okay? You go to Dominic Sav, you got Salesian. They're priests and they're religious. You go to Holy Family, you have Filipino religious priests. I don't, I don't know what order it is, but they're religious priests. So in LA, you probably have half and half. Probably about half are religious. You sent me a picture to your, your uncle who celebrated his 70th anniversary as a priest. Wow. And he's, in the, he's a religious priest, right? That he's a priest and religious, a double blessing. Vows are promises. Usually there's three. Chastity, po poverty, and obedience. Sometimes there's a fourth. Like the missionaries of Chari have as a vow, serving the poorest of the poor as a vow. The uh, St. John of God uh, brothers have a fourth vow, which is hospitality. The um, Jesuits have a vow, which is their obedience to the Pope in the sense that whatever the Pope asks, they go wherever the Pope sends them, as happened in the case of St. Francis Xavier, who went to India. Now it says perpetual vows. What does that mean? Your English is very good. Okay, it's perpetual means forever. Good. We'll give you an A on vocabulary, okay? Okay, now what it means is this. Is that before making perpetual vows, you make temporary vows. I'll give you an example. Yesterday, yesterday, August 15th, was the feast day of the Assumption, right? In Boston, three... Three of our novices made their temporary vows yesterday. And one was a guy that I was working with and Father Craig was working One is a young man in our, from our parish. Okay? Just a month ago, we had the first Mexicano ordenado. We had the first Mexican 
Mexican oblate ordained just about a month ago, who was what? Father Rafael, who, who worked in Radio Guadalupe, he was coming here and he made, I think he made a retreat with us maybe 12 years ago, Mary, no? Was it Eric? It was less than 12 years ago. Maybe about eight or nine years ago? Something like that. Anyway, he made the eight-day retreat with us and, well, now he's a priest, no? Uh, but Jorge Sanchez, who made his vows yesterday, he made his first vows after his year of the novitiate. So next year, around next year, August 15th, usually it's the same day, he's going to write and ask his superiors if he can renew his vows again. Um, they could turn him down. There's always, the, like you see Faustine, there's a little bit of fear here. They could, they could turn him down. Uh, and then if he's accepted, then he has to renew his vows again. So it depends on the congregation. Usually with us, you renew your vows for three years. This is the way it's done for us. Novitiate, first vows. Then you put your religious habit on, okay? Then you renew it the second year. Then you renew it the third year. And the third year is usually perpetual vows. Okay, here's, a, here's kind of a tricky question. Usually what happens right after perpetual vows, any of you would know? Don't all speak at the same time, no? No, they're not priests yet. They just made their perpetual vows. No? If they said Mass, it would be invalid. They're not priests yet. Okay. Barbara? Perfect. So right after, usually for we as religious, after our perpetual vows, we're ordained to the diaconate. So I made my perpetual vows September 12th, which is the holy name of Mary. And I think I was ordained a deacon within a week. It has to be a bishop that ordains you a deacon. And then uh, canon law says that to be ordained a priest, you have to have six months after a diaconate, six months, then you can be ordained to the priesthood. So I was ordained September, a deacon then ordained a priest in May. I never really count how many months is that? September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, well, nine months, okay? And almost at the same time I was ordained, I was finishing up my fourth year in theology where I got my diploma in spiritual theology, which is, technically speaking, another degree, one-year degree, which would be like a master's or a licentiate, no? Uh, so that's the way it's done. And I think given that you come to an outlate parish, you should know that. Okay? You should know that, because you're, you're dealing with religious priests. But the superiors can turn you down. If the superiors here, there's certain certain qualities which would not would not serve. Uh, I remember that I had a there was a young man that studied for me many years right before he was right before he made his perpetual vows. He was turned down because our superiors felt that um, he would not be a good religious priest. So now he's in, he's a um, diocesan priest working in Canada now. He was a graduate from Harvard, you know, very intelligent, but 
just seemed as if uh, he was more more called to be a, a, a diocesan priest. In other words, not all, not all are called to live in the community. Some, some you just have to live more freely without the bounds of a community. Whereas I can't imagine myself not living in a community. It's just the way I like family life. I like, I like to be with Father Larry and Father Dave and Father Craig and Father Antolini and with our two cats, too. <laughs> More the merrier, huh? I like family life. Huh? Natural religious life is, you know, of course, the most important is Jesus Christ, but then our brothers in Christ, they're very important to us. Very important. Okay? Am I making sense? Yes. Good. See, so, so understand the diary. You have to understand religious life because Faustina, obviously she's not a priest, but she's a religious. You know, a diocesan priest reads this in the idea of probation, perpetual vows. He might, he might not really understand, but I understand because I went through it. I went through this. Now with women, um, I think it depends upon the congregation, but the Franciscans, well actually, They'll, they'll cut their hair, okay? Cut their hair before they make their vows. No? Probably the most famous one in the history of the church would be, of course, you know, right? When St. Francis cut the, Claire, the hair of St. Clair of Assisi, and then what happens, introduced in the convent, and eventually St. Clair is going to be instrument in founding the second order of the Franciscan. Did you know there are three orders of the Franciscan? Did you know that? I didn't think so, so I'll tell you. The first order would be the Franciscan priests. The second order would be the nuns. And the third order would be the lay people. Yeah. Learn something new every day, huh? First order, the priests. Second order are the nuns. You know, you got the, they're called the poor clares. And then the third would be the lay, the lay people. My parents, when I was a child, belonged to the third order of St. Francis. They were Franciscans. And they had to wear the little cord and they had to go to the meetings and say the prayers, no? But when they had so many kids, they couldn't go to the meetings anymore. I mean, they had to try to, try to, try to raise four teenage boys at the same time, no? <laughs> no joke. <laughs> okay, so... I went before the Blessed Sacrament. Can I make I make it make a, a comment? The Blessed Sacrament. Do all of you know what the Blessed Sacrament is? There's a, been a study by um, we call it the, the the Pew Society is P E W. Oh, what? The Pew. Oh, thank you. Pre uh, Pew Research that uh, this is probably the most prominent news item in the past three weeks. And if you, you go in Catholic News Agency and EWTN or um, Spirit Daily or, or Catholic Exchange where I have my articles published, is that 70% of Catholics do not believe in the real presence. I repeat, 70% of Catholics do not believe the real presence. That's, that's incredible. 
And uh, 70% of Catholics don't even go to Mass on Sunday. Obviously, that refers also to them, but even some that go to church. It might even be those that go to church. I wouldn't be surprised. Even those that go to church, 70% don't really know what it is. You hear me? So uh, uh, that's, uh, that's been weighing upon me the past couple weeks. That, that bothers me. It bothered me a lot. So, so speaking to you people, you know what it is. I think among your relatives and friends or at work, um, bring up the topic of the real presence. If I were given permission by it, and I could, technically I could do this. If I had to preach a different homily on the Eucharist every week, every week of the church year, I think I could do it. And every homily would be different. I could give a homily on the Old Testament typology. I could give a homily on 1 Corinthians 11. I could give a homily on John chapter 6. I could give a homily on Luke chapter 24, the disciples of Emmaus. I could give a homily on what consecration is. I could give a homily why they ring the bells, and I can develop it. I could give a homily on what is a genuflection. I could give a homily on Corpus Christi. I could give a homily on preparation for Mass. I could give 10 homilies on the Mass, even with any, without any preparation. I could give a homily on Thanksgiving. I could give a homily on Eucharistic adoration. I could give a homily on Eucharistic procession. I could give a homily on St. John Hughes and his devotion to the Eucharist. I could give 10 homilies on the imitation of Christ. The fourth book gives you 25 chapters. I could, I could develop a homily on every one of those 25 chapters. There you have, oh, there, there you have 50 homilies. I mentioned the topics already. And I think I could probably do it without too much preparation. I could. Because for me, the most important thing in my life is Christ and the Eucharist. Amen? Amen. Now, you probably can't do that. Okay? You probably couldn't even give a, a talk um, spontaneously on, those, on 50 different times. You probably have to study a little bit more, right? Well, start studying. It's worth it. And you have, you have people wandering from the faith. I think that, that this is the, the kingpin. You can use a, a, bow, a bowling image of the kingpin. Headpin. Strike. Okay. By the way, strike in bowling is good. Strike in baseball is bad. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Athlete speaking here. Okay. But you might, you might, you might work on that. All that I've given you, like like a, a dime and the different facets of the beauty of the Eucharist. You can give a talk on Marian apparitions in the Eucharist. What did Our Lady ask for in Guadalupe? What did Our Lady ask for in Lourdes? What did Our Lady ask for in Fatima? They all, she asked for a church. Why the church? so that the priest could celebrate the Eucharist. Ah, never thought about that, huh? 
Then I, I, I could take Sacro Santo Concilium of Vatican II. I could take a paragraph and spend the whole year just explaining that. And I could do it with, with theological precision and telling stories and a couple of jokes too. Spice it up a little bit with some, a little bit of humor is always helpful. It's like, what I'm saying, if you love, the, if you love someone, you can talk about that person, right? If we, love the, if we love the Lord in the Eucharist, we should be able to talk, talk non-stop. Amen? Love someone? Talk non-stop. We love the Eucharist, we should be able to talk about the Eucharist until the wee hours in the morning. We really love the Eucharist. So, uh, I'm extrapolating from Blessed Sacrament as to what's going on in the society. You know? You know, I'm 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 kind of I I'm I'm suffering through this. It's it's causing me interior suffering. Most Catholics don't even believe in the Eucharist. Wow. It's like you go up to you're playing baseball. You go out you you go out to hit the ball. You forget to bring the bat. Come on. And hit it with your pinky. <laughs> Get in the car, you don't know what the steering wheel is? Come on. When you're cooking, you don't know the difference between salt and arsenic. <laughs> arsenic, by the way, is you know, rat poison. Hopefully you know the difference. I hope you do. So do, do all you can. I think if, if, people, if people reason People reason. The Eucharist is really the body and blood of Christ. See, if I had a wedding at 2 o'clock and the Blessed Sacrament was still exposed, one of the altar boys said, well, what about that thing there? I said, hey, well, come on. I mean, there's no bad will. Are you going to leave the thing? And right away, like you, I, I correct him, see, you don't call that thing, that's God. Oh, sorry, Father, sorry. Oh, forgive you. Don't tell the Lord you're sorry. No? You know what they often say in Spanish, uh, Raquel? Voy a agarrar el, el pan. Raquel? Any of you speak Spanish here? Voy a agarrar el pan. Agarrar el pan. If you know Spanish well, ag agarrar, if you know Spanish well, agarrar, translated in English, means to, gra to grab, right? Agarro la mano, like I grab your hand, right? Even that is kind of mal educación, you know, kind of grabbing something. Gerard, did you grab the, the hand of your wife? Grab it. No, yeah, yeah. Hold it delicately. She's not a she's not a monkey, you know. <laughs> no, you, you know, hold it hold it gently, no, no, grabbing it. No. But the Eucharist, now grabbing the Eucharist at Michoka. 
And you see, you, you see how, how much Faustina loves the Eucharist. There's no way you can read the diary and not fall in love with the Eucharist. Almost every other number, there's some reference to the Eucharist, either implicit or explicit. Right, Fran? You can't read that to help. It's like a fire that's ignited in your heart. You want to love the Eucharist all the more. But listen, sometimes the love for the Eucharist starts to wane, doesn't it? Start to decline. Worldliness can insinuate itself within us. It starts to decline. We take the Lord for granted, huh? Beg the Blessed Mother that you will never decline, but you'll, you'll be kind of like a, always an upswing. The love is greater and greater and greater and greater. Take it to heaven. Upward arc. Not La Montagna Russa, no? The, uh, yeah. Okay. Went before the Blessed Sacrament. And when I immerse myself in a prayer of thanksgiving. Okay. Do any of you like language? Do you like the verb to immerse? I love language, no? When I hear the word immerse, I think about a fish. Fish is immersed in water. That's when I when I when I read that word the the verb to immerse I, right away the noun I connect with that is is a fish, immersing. Okay, here's a, here, here's a question. You're gonna feel uncomfortable when you do your holy hour. Do you immerse yourself in prayer? Immerse yourself in, in sleep. <laughs> it's a good word. I mean, this is that, that, that that's a good verb. When I immerse myself in a prayer, but like another synonym would be total concentration, total recollection, totally absorbed, enthralled, captivated. I mean, a walking Roger Thesaurus, right? <laughs> what? Yeah. Right? So we, we, we should pray that we're immersed in prayer. In a prayer of thanksgiving, do you like to thank God? Just once a year on Thanksgiving Day? Should always thank God every day. You know, I uh, often I thought about um, the capital sins, capital sin of uh, of jealousy and envy. They're related, but there's a there's a difference there, but more or less the same. When a, a jealous person. He, he feels sad because someone has something he doesn't have. And a jealous person, usually he's comparing himself to others, right? You're looking at others, you're comparing yourself. 
Honestly, I think the best way for us to overcome jealousy is Thanksgiving. Try it. You're tempted to be jealous? Apply yourself to Thanksgiving. Because they're really diametrically opposed. Jealousy, you're looking at something that someone has that you don't have and you feel sad and kind of angry even. And, and that leads to be, that leads to gossip, right? And envy, jealousy can lead to gossip, so you speak negatively about the person. You knock them down a little bit to, to inflate you know, your own self-importance, your self-aggrandizement. Kind of like, a, like a, one of those frogs. That's right. Are you tempted to be jealous, jealous or envious? Thank God. Thank God for what you have. And having lived outside this country and other countries, We've got a lot of problems, a lot of violence, no, a lot of, a lot of confusion out there. But still, by far, this is the best country in the world, right? Yes. And we've got a lot of problems, but uh, this country is the country of opportunities. And how many Catholic churches here in, in Southern California? Every five blocks, you got a Catholic church. What? Well, um, every, every, I would say, square mile anyway. No? I'll tell you the story. That right, right now, my, my mom suffers because she's in New Hampshire. You, don't, you simply don't have Catholic churches there. The priest gets sick, and then they take days off. Like three or four times a week, there's Mass. The other days, there's no Mass. You've got to travel sometimes 35, 40 miles. Remember... She traveled in the winter, getting close to 90. You're not 90 yet. 10 degrees below zero. Are you 90, Grace? You, you feel like it at times, okay? I don't think any of us are 90. Maybe you feel like it in the morning, no? Well, well what a sacrifice. So 10 degrees below zero, traveling 50 miles. Kind of admirable, no? Because of the faith. You don't have to travel. You have to travel one mile and there's a church. So you're kind of spoiled, no? Cheeky Adam. Spoiled, huh? So, cultivate an attitude of gratitude, right? Give thanks to the Lord for his good, for the mercy, his mercy endures forever. St. Ignatius once said, the essence of sin is ingratitude. The essence of sin is ingratitude. Some of you study the Rhineland mystics, okay? Claude of Unknowing, Walter Hilton, the imitation of Christ, Julian of Norwich, and also Meister Eckhart. Meister Eckhart, one of Herodotus' favorite writers, right? 
And he said that if the only prayer I ever said were a prayer of thanksgiving, that would be enough. I like that. The only prayer I ever said without a thanksgiving, that would be enough. Thanks. Amen? Okay, I heard these words in my soul. That is called, right, Jaime? An interior locution, right? Yes, Father? Okay. That's an interior locution. Now, be aware. I think all of, I think all of you have these interior locutions, but you don't pick them up. I think you have them. The interior voice of God speaking in the depth of your heart, I think you have them. And sometimes the interior voice is challenging us to do something we don't want to do. That's why we don't want to hear it, right? <laughs> well, be honest, no? Challenging us to maybe give up something or do something that we don't want to do. And we... We play spiritually tone deaf, right? We can't hear it. Mm -hmm. We put cotton in our ears, huh? or potatoes maybe. So the importance of being docile and being humble, knowing how to listen. Speak, O oh Lord, for your servant is listening. Not always listen, so listen, Lord, for your servant is speaking, right? <laughs> I heard these words in my soul. My child, would you be offended if you heard that, my child? Hey, I'm a man. Don't call me a child. <laughs> Jesus says, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Yesterday did a funeral of a, of a Filipino man. He was like a little child. What? Miguel Luza, yeah. And this is a very simple, innocent, joyful, childlike person. They're very impressive. He had great love for Mary. He made rosaries. And, First Friday of the month, you have these sacred heart cards, and just, uh, hope, I hope he's in heaven now. So the word child, all of us are called to become, we're children of God through baptism. Herada, do you know the difference between childish and childlike? Do you know your English well? How about Astrid? No? No? Not no? Okay, childish is pejorative. Childish is, is something bad. What that means? It means immature. How about childlike? Innocent and transparent, right? So we, want to, we don't want to be childish, peevish, or, you know, immature. We want to be childlike. Transparency. Jesus says, unless you become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. 
And you know, another thing of a, of a child is that he doesn't hold on to resentment. When I was about uh, 14, maybe about 13, I looked out the window and my little sister was in the sandbox with one of her friends and they're, they're, they're throwing sand at each other. They're having a sand fight. Then I looked out 20 minutes later and they were sitting there as if nothing had happened. Wish we could do that, huh? Someone hurts us and we're pouting with a thick, like this. Not willing to forgive the person for a fortnight, if not more, huh? It's our pride. Children, okay, move on. Move on. Well, child, my child, you are my delight. Real compliment, huh? So when you're reading through this, you can pray, you pray the Lord, pray the Lord that you will be his delight. You are the comfort of my heart. Have you ever tried to comfort the heart of Christ? Not yet? It's another type of prayer. We, we want to be comforted by God, but usually we don't want to comfort Him. Amen? We want God to comfort us. Right, friend? We want to be comforted by God, no? But very few are willing to go out of the way to comfort our Lord. Faustina would do that. St. Margaret Mary would do it. You know, one of, the, one of the most beautiful examples of comforting God is one of the youngest saints in the Catholic Church, which would be? Francisco. Jacinta was, Jacinta was a little victim soul, whereas Francisco was a little mystic, John Paul II on the day of their beatification. He would like to go and spend long hours in the church in front of the Blessed Sacrament to comfort and console the hidden Jesus. He was only 10 years old. Well, I love those little kids, don't you? I, oh, they're among my favorites. Huh? It was kind of embarrassing. I mean, they arrived at skyrocket in the spiritual life. We're kind of still groveling on the ground. Huh? <laughs> it means we can become saints quickly if we want to. The only reason why we don't become saints is our own resistance. God has his arms open. So maybe add that to your prayer. Allow God, allow God to comfort you, but you comfort God. I'll, I'll give you one way in which you can do it. When you receive communion, Lord, I offer this communion so that someone who's dying today will be saved from my communion. That's going to comfort the heart of Christ. What do you think? Yeah. That'll comfort him. And he'll, he'll hear that prayer.
The Lord wants the salvation of that person more than you want it. So this is, this is an added dimension to your prayer life we're learning tonight. God has comforted you. Comfort him. Amen? Comfort him. You are the comfort in my heart. I grant you as many graces as, as you can hold. Wow, I like that. Spend a whole, you spend just a whole, holy hour just on that. Grant you as many graces as you can hold. Heaven, if you want, you're invited to um, have a meal with maybe a, a trillionaire. Okay, I think there, there. I think you've got some out there. I'm, they're not my best friends. No? <laughs> Otherwise, Father Larry would probably say, have a long talk with those guys, okay? <laughs> How about if you're, you know, you're having a meal with a trillionaire? And the trillionaire says, okay, at the end of the meal, I really like you. Whatever you ask for, I'll double it. Would you ask for a peanut or a pickle? Or maybe a peanut shell? Would you? I'd ask for half a trillion dollars. So I'd end up with a trillion. Amen? <laughs> you said it. What about God? I think we, re we receive a little bit from God because we only ask for a little. Right, Imelda? Hey, Padre. We only receive a little because we ask for a little. We have to ask with bold confidence. With bold confidence. Confianza atrevida. Bold confidence. Ask and you will... Seek and you will knock and be whoever asks, whoever seeks, whoever knocks the door is. Now you know the Bible. Grace, you know where that is in the Bible? I didn't think so, so I'll tell you. Matthew 7 7. I was not st stammering nor stuttering, or rather. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. You thought I was stammering and stuttering. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Or if you like, try to imagine this. You have a little cup and a drop of water in the cup. Not too much, huh? Or imagine you have this. You have the whole Pacific Ocean. Is there a big difference? Add to it the Atlantic Ocean. Add to it the, o the Indian Ocean. Add to it the Arctic Ocean. All that water, you can, you can ask for that because God is limitless. God is infinite. God has no limits. So we limit 
the power of God by our lack of faith. It's as simple as that. We limit the omnipotence of God because of our lack of faith. And our lack of holiness, like St. James mentioning Elijah. So as they say, as the poet says, the sky is the limits. Again, the sky is the limits. The sky is the limits. I grant you as many graces as you can hold. As often as you want to make me happy, as often as you want to make me happy, speak to the world about my great and unfathomable mercy. Wow, there's a lot, there's a lot in that, huh? Do you want to make Jesus happy? No? Más o menos? Do you? Really? So, every time you try to speak about what we're learning every Friday night, every time you try to tell someone what you learned on Friday from the diary, every time you do, you're making Jesus happy. I like that. Even the most simple way. Every time you give a little divine mercy card, you're making Jesus happy. Every time you maybe point to the divine mercy image in someone, you're making God happy. Every time you explain the divine mercy image, you're making God happy. Every time you read a passage from the diary of St. Faustina, you pray over it, you assimilate it, tell someone about that, you make God happy. And every time you bring someone to the confessional, you make God happy. Every time I absolve someone as priest, make God happy. Try to make God happy. There's so many people that make him sad, right? We got a new name for our group here, the Happy Club, huh? <laughs> Welcome to the Happy Club. Not the Happy Hour, but the Happy Club, okay? We want to make Jesus happy by talking about his mercy. There's a good word for you. There's a good word for you. There's another one for you, Herod. Unfathomable. What does that mean? I think in Spanish it would be abismal. Are you sure? No, Gerardo? Abismal, like uh, abysmal. Abismal would be the translation to Spanish. Unfathomable, which means really. The ocean seems to have no limits. No? no limits. So we're not here by chance. We're all here because we want to learn about God's mercy. We want to we want to assimilate God's mercy. We want to love God's mercy. And we want to be missionaries of God's mercy. So on a Marian note, what is the most famous book written on Mary?
I mentioned it in the retreat. Okay, remember Dana, Dana, the last day of the retreat? Hey, St. Alphonsus, right? The, the glories. The glories of Mary, which is an explanation of the Hail Holy Queen, which is Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Now, my friends, this time of the year I like because we're in between two Marian feasts. Yesterday was the Assumption. A week after the Assumption, we celebrate the crowning of Mary. So right now, the angels and saints are preparing at their coronation of Mary. They're preparing everything. So I like this, this week because it's a very Marian week. You've got the Assumption, but preparation for the crowning, which are the last two mysteries of the Rosary, right? The Assumption and the crowning of Mary. So let's pray that we'll really be able to crown Mary by lives of holiness. Amen? Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and bless the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us. And, you know, the Lord be with you. Mother God, bless you, the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. And bless you and have a great night. This is international Catholic singer Anna Nuzzo inviting you to join me and Father Dan Cambra of the Marian Fathers on a select international tours Divine Mercy pilgrimage to Poland and the Czech Republic. It takes place in September of 2019 and we would love for you to join us. For more information go to my website AnnaNuzzo.com. Thank you and God bless. Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com.